Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Genesis 14, Genesis 14, the left side of your Bible, the first book, Genesis 14. The Bible says that there was a man named Abram who later became Abraham. He's the father of our faith. He was a friend of God. Everybody say friend. Friend. A friend of God. If you're pregnant right now, if you're pregnant, if you're pregnant in this room or believing God to be pregnant, just lift your hands right where you are. You don't have to make a big scene. If you're just, everybody close your eyes. If you're pregnant, you're in this room, physically pregnant, just lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I call forth a blessing on every mother of this house, every soon-to-be mother, every expecting mother, every mother that longs to be expecting. I thank you, God, for a smooth pregnancy, an easy delivery, health in every way, favor with all of the doctors and the staff and the nurses, I thank you in the name of Jesus for complete and total peace in the midnight hour. I thank you, Lord God, that we have been redeemed from the curse. And I call call every member of this house, I call their, their pregnancy to be pleasant in the name of Jesus. One filled with joy and hope and great memory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Genesis 14, the Bible says that Abram... Abraham was there and he found out that his nephew, his nephew had been kidnapped. And the Bible says that his nephew had been living in Sodom. And and the Bible says that when he got kidnapped, that one person escaped from the kidnapping. One person escaped from the kidnapping and they ran to Abram. And when they found Abram, they said, Abram, you're not going to believe this. One of your family members, Lot, has been kidnapped. And we all, I mean, it's just a bad situation. They've stolen everything. They stole the people. They stole the kids. They stole everything has been stolen. And we need some help. And the Bible says that Abram, when he heard this, he immediately went into action. You see, there's something different when it happens to your family. You can read on the news all day long about something bad happening to somebody else and we really don't think two things about it. But the minute it happens to your family, now you care at the highest level. Somebody say amen. Amen. There's something about family that sticks together. The Bible says in Genesis 14, when Abram, verse 14, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his house, 318 and pursued them unto Dan. We're in the middle of, of, of summer 2017 and we're in the middle of a program we're calling the 318 Pursuit. And what we're going to do collectively is we are joining together to take back everything the devil has stolen from you in the name of Jesus. In other words, you're getting it all back in Jesus' name. Somebody give God a big hand. Even if you don't see it yet, let's just give God a praise, believing Him that His Word is not going to, believing that He's good for it, we're just going to get it all 
back in Jesus' name. So the Bible says Abram took 318 guys that were born in his house, trained in his house, and armed in his house. Wednesday night I taught on being born again. The critical factor in your life before anything else happens is you must be born again. You must be born again into the family of God. Because when you get into the family of God, you live by a completely different set of rules. You say, well, that that doesn't sound right. I didn't say that it was right, but it's just. You see, if it was right, you would pay for every sin you committed. But it's just because Jesus stepped in front of your payment and paid it for you. Therefore, you have been justified by the payment that Christ made. But when you get in the family, everything is different. You say, well, I don't believe that. I think everybody should be treated the same. Let me just give you an example. Let's say you're at your house and your child or your grandchild comes over and they stick their feet on the coffee table. You may or may not tell them don't put your feet on the coffee table. But if the UPS man comes into your home uninvited and unannounced, walks over, grabs a drink out of your refrigerator, sets down on your couch, turns on your TV, starts watching Days of Our Life, drinking his Diet Dr. Pepper, and puts his muddy boots on your coffee table, somebody's going to get shot or the police are going to be called. That's what's going to happen. Unless the UPS man is like your, your, your best friend or something. I don't know. But the reality is, is it's a different set of rules when you're in the family than it is if you are not in the family. You may have had an argument with your brother or sister this morning, but don't let anybody talk about your brother or sister because you'll sling out all the claws you got, all your teeth, and you will attack the person who attacked your brother and sister. Now, you just got done attacking them, but listen, that's my family. I can talk to my family. You better not. You, could, you may attack somebody that just agrees with you. You might be going, man, my brother, he just never understands. And he's always this way. And then somebody that you're talking to goes, you know what? I think you're right. All of a sudden, you're like, don't talk about my brother. <laughs> F-O-E, family over everything. Don't talk about my brother. When you get in the family of God, everything shifts. When you get in the family of God, there's an entire shift in your life. You begin to play by a different set of rules. 318 guys born, trained, and armed. The word trained is a very interesting word in the Hebrew. It's the word shanik, and it literally means practiced or experienced. These men that he took with him, they were trained, they were, they were practiced. They, that means that they had discipline in their life. They didn't just decide that they were going to fall off the wayside whenever something went wrong in their life. They actually drew to the things of God instead of pushed away from the things of God when something happened. You see, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But we got to recognize what makes us tough. And what makes us tough is not our ability to stand on our own two feet. It's the fact that we can rest ourselves in the loving arms of Jesus Christ himself, even in difficult times. The Bible says, verse 16, he brought back all the goods, brought back his brother, all his goods, all the ladies, and everybody else too. This is the summer where you are literally getting it all back. Somebody give God a hand of praise in the house. Flip over to James chapter number one. James chapter number one. If you don't have your Bible, I encourage you to bring your Bible, even if it's on your phone. There's something about reading it with your own eyes where it begins to jump off the pages at you. If you don't have it, you can certainly turn your attention to the screen. James one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which were scattered abroad, which was scattered abroad, greeting, saying, "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this." 
that the trying of your faith worketh patience or endurance. The experience that you go through produces endurance. If you want to run a marathon, 26.2 miles, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to brag about it, but I've never run one. (laughs) If you guys see me running a marathon, there's a grizzly bear or a lion or something behind me. And I don't have a gun. Those are the two criteria. That's what's happening. If you see me running a marathon, I know running is good for you, but at the exact same time, you know, there's other stuff that's good for you. (laughs) Just eat a carrot, you know. It's good for you. The Bible says very clearly that James, which I want to make sure we understand who James is. James is Jesus' little brother. That means James knew Jesus better than Anybody else knew Jesus, and Jesus knew James. That means every moment of James' life, he was around Jesus. And the first thing that James says is, I'm a servant, I'm a slave, not only to the Lord, but I'm a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but the influence that Jesus had put such an unbelievable draw on every person that included his own family. Jesus literally is so good and so precious that his own blood kin declared himself a slave to anything that Jesus would ask for. I don't know about you, but I'm just assuming from the looks on your faces that none of your brothers and sisters have ever declared themselves a slave to anything you would like to happen. (laughs) Jesus pulls out of you the ability to follow him in a way that you're incapable of following anyone else. The scripture says, he says... Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word temptation is literally the word trial, a tribulation, something that happens. James, Jesus' brother, says, let me give you guys just a little key into the kingdom of God. You should get really excited when all hell starts to break loose in your life. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. We could say it differently. We go from victory to victory. James says, when you're in between victories, that's when you really ought to count it joy. Because we know weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There is something about living for God when we decide, when we purpose on the inside of our heart that when times get tough, we're not withdrawing from God. We're actually pushing into who He is. We're not going away from His Word, but we're going to find out exactly what His Word says about our situation. And then we are going to believe it in, in the face of all adversity because all of this produces endurance. And then all of a sudden, you become experienced or you become trained. You're born again into the kingdom of God. And the more you go through these experiences, and these trials of life, the more endurance you, uh, the more endurance you develop, the more trained you become, and then you become a candidate. When things begin to go wrong in somebody else's life, God will begin to dispatch you to go set them free. You see, there's something about living for God that whenever you decide to pur- to be purposeful in the middle of the trial, that all of a sudden the endurance that comes out of this, this way of living changes everything about your life. It changes everything about who you are. But here's the thing. Endurance is so different because endurance doesn't start, doesn't happen overnight. If you want to run that marathon we're talking about, you better not go try to run 26.2 miles day one. 
You better work your way up. It might be a half a mile, a mile, two miles, three miles, four miles. It might be, it might, there's a guy, there, there's a family at the church. They do these crazy races where they jump and they swim through mud and they climb over stuff and they flip stuff over. Don't you try to go do one of those races if you haven't built up your endurance to a level that is ready to do it. When you recognize that the trial and the tribulation you are experiencing today is positioning you, positioning you perfectly for the situation, the circumstance you have in your future, now you can do what Jesus' brother says and you can begin to count it all joy when you fall into a tribulation. You, begin, you can begin to go, man, I am getting so ready and so strong. It's a lot of people like to go to the gym and if you want bigger muscles and you go to the gym and you start moving the weights around, the only chance for your muscles to grow is there must be some resistance against them. If you want to grow, you need some resistance. Can I say it differently? You need your adversary. The Bible says that he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. If your enemy shows up, God is about to open the buffet line for you and make a spectacle of your life. The Bible says very clearly we should count it all joy. And when you count it all joy, now all of a sudden you begin to endure. And when you get the endurance, now all of a sudden you get the patience. And when you get the patience, now you become trained. And when you become trained, now you become experienced. And now you are a candidate to really be used. All because instead of playing baby Christianity, like how come nobody likes me? How come everybody's against me? Oh, the boss said we're gonna, he's going to lay some people off. And, all this other, and you get all these thoughts out of your head and you begin to confess what God says about you. And all of a sudden you begin to go, oh man, I got some trials. I got some tribulations. I got some issues. I know God must be doing something in the unseen. I count it all joy that I have fallen into these tribulations. All of a sudden you become a weapon of war. The Bible said the violent take by force. The only difference is we're not violent uh, uh, in the natural. I know some of you guys were like, praise God, I knew I liked this church. <laughs> we're not violent that way. We're violent in the spirit. Amen. That means when the enemy comes in one way, he flees seven ways. When the devil tries to do something to your family, the Bible says that the kingdom of God lifts up a standard against him. You become a bulletproof vessel in the kingdom. All because you have chosen to count it all joy when you fall into these situations. Ephesians 6 verse 10, the Bible discusses the armor of God. The Bible says that Abram had 318 guys. They were born in the camp, born in the house, trained in the house, and they were armed in the house. In your Bible... Being armed is one of the most important imperative things that you can experience. And it is a huge part. Everybody say huge part. It is a huge part of being faithful to the house of God. Not because we want you to sit here and, and, and enjoy such incredible teaching with such an awesome shirt and such awesome hair. And I know that's what you're thinking. I get it. But the reality is, is when you're here and this Bible is being read... 
And it is coming into your ears. And the word of God begins to, to shape you and mold you. And all of a sudden you begin to leave out of here because my job as a minister of the gospel is very clear. The Bible says that it's my job to equip you, equip the, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, if all we did was come in here and shout on, on Sunday mornings and we weren't doing anything on Monday, I literally would say let's fold the thing up and go home because forget about it. If we're not being the hands and feet of Christ out Outside of this room, we have no business being in this room. Somebody give God a hand of praise. Literally, our job, and we take it very seriously, my job as a minister is to come in here and to give you something that you can use when you leave here for the work of ministry. When you leave out of here tomorrow morning, I want you waking up, and if you get a call with bad news or if something happens, I want you to immediately begin to rejoice and thank God and say, oh man, I'm in between victories. I'm going to count it all joy that this trial is coming to my life because if a trial is coming to my life as a believer on Jesus, Christ, I am destined for victory. All of a sudden, it's a completely different thing. You know, bullies only pick on people who don't hit back. I wasn't picked on very often. Bullies only pick on people who don't hit back. When the devil comes in and begins to do something in your life, you do not fight him with your left and your right, which you might be very well trained with. You fight him with the word of the living God. You resist him, the Bible says, and he will flee. And when you do this, you come to a place where everything begins to shift and the house of God is an armory for the believer. It's where we pick up our weapons. It's where we pick up our tools. It's where we get armed and ready for combat. Ephesians 6 and 10 says like this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say strong. strong. I am so glad he didn't say be weak in the Lord. I don't really like anything that, 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 that tells us we have to be weak. There is nothing in the, the only place it says in the Bible is, is weak, where weakness exists is in us. And then, Jesus, and then the Bible says real quickly, but we're strong there. Where I am weak, he is strong. Be strong in the Lord. That means in the midnight hour, your strength doesn't come from you. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power. Everybody say power. The power of his might. Our God is a powerful God. Our God is a wonder worker. Our God is a delivering God. Our God is a healing God. Our God is a supplying God. Our God is a prayer answering God. Our God is a devil thumping God. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is all powerful. He sits on the throne. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. There is nothing like our God and the power of his might. There is something about living for God. When you begin to say, whoa, I'm supposed to be strong. Well, Lord, I don't feel strong in the Lord. Whoa, I can be strong in the Lord. Jesus is undefeated. Somebody give God a hand of praise in the library. Jesus is undefeated. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor. Everybody say whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
One of my favorite words. I grew up memorizing the King James Version of the Bible. That's why I quote it so much. That's why I prefer to read it. There are other translations out there that I think are great. I just prefer to start with the King James Version. But when he said the wiles of the devil, that word wild means the trickery or the cunning nature or the, or the traps or the booby traps that he would lay in front of you. He says, what I want you to do is put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against all the tricks of the devil. You see, the devil is nothing more than a slimy, rotten, weak little dog. He is under your feet. The Bible says he goes about, listen to this, like a roaring lion. But there is one who is not like a roaring lion. There is one who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he roars, he means business. The devil's just roaring at you. And, Roar, I'm going to make you sick and nothing's going to work out. And you're always going to be in debt. And your kids aren't going to like you. And your husband's not going to like you. And your wife's not going to like you. And your mother-in-law's not going to like you. Nobody's going to like Roar! He's just roaring and roaring and roaring. And it's all just a trick. It's all just a booby trap to see, are you the type that's going to count it all joy that you've fallen into a tribulation? Or are you the type that's going to cower in fear and go, oh, the devil has come against me. When the devil comes in, it's our responsibility. No, it's our opportunity to say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. There is something about living for God. And I mean living. I'm talking aggressive. Somebody say aggressive. aggressive. We're taking it all back. All of it. Everything. You're getting your peace back. You're getting your joy back. You're getting your love back. You're getting your sleep back. Some of you hadn't slept a good night's sleep in 873 years. You're getting your sleep back. You're going to rest like a baby. And I'm not talking about waking up every three hours needing to eat and change your diaper. I'm talking about sleeping. I'm talking about you're going to lay your head on your pillow and it's going to be like the angels of God himself are singing you a lullaby because the devil is a liar. We are getting it all back in the name of Jesus. There's something about living for God that changes everything. It just shifts. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against all the tricks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, darkness of the world, and against spiritual wickedness. In high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. That you might be able to withstand in the evil day. That you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth. And having on the, bre the breastplate of righteousness. You, you, see, you see the belt of truth. The belt of truth your belt is a very important piece of uh, uh, clothing. It keeps you from being caught with your pants down. It holds it all together. It holds the whole ensemble together. When nothing else makes sense, truth is what holds you together. When nothing else is clear, truth is what binds you. When nothing else makes sense, truth is what keeps it together. You see, at the end of the day, you're going to be lied to about 875 million more times before you go into heaven. The devil's going to tell you you're not smart enough. That's a lie. The devil's going to tell you you're not pretty enough. That's a lie. The devil's going to tell you that nobody likes you. That's a lie. Everybody has a mama. The devil's going to tell you you're never going to get out of debt. That's a lie. 
The devil's going to tell you that you're always going to be sick. That's a lie. The devil's going to tell you you're never going to be able to hear again. That's a lie. The devil's going to tell you you're never going to be able to see again. That's a lie. It's not true. It's the belt of truth that holds it all together when the devil just keeps lying to you. It is the truth of God. The truth of God that says he supplies my needs according to his riches and glory. By his stripes I'm healed. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. He's made me to be a blessing everywhere I go. It's the belt of truth. It holds all of it together when nothing else makes sense. Holds everything in place. Bible says the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus died to deliver us from sin. He died to deliver us from sin. When you see Superman, you know it's Superman because there's an S on his chest. It's where the breastplate would be. It's like a greeting, so you know there's Superman. Righteousness ought to be what you're known for. Say, oh, you don't understand what I've done. I'm not talking about what you've done. I'm talking about what you're going to do. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. What the Bible does not say is that the righteous build a diving board, get ready, put on some suntan lotion, and then go dive into sin happily. There's a big difference in being weak and being wicked. If you're living a wicked life, you need to repent in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to change your ways. So I don't know if I can. You can't. If you could have, you already would have. You don't feel good about it. But Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever, will cause you to be born again like I've been born again, like several of the people around you have been born again. It is a change that takes place, and you go from a different family all the way into the family of God. F-O-E. Family over everything. Bible says that we put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then we stand, therefore, with truth holding it all together, being known for righteousness with our, with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Prepared at any moment to share the gospel. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Everybody say above all. Above. Taking the shield of faith wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Above all, above all, above all, above all, above all, above all, you need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is believing in what you cannot see. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what we can't see. It's believing what we can't see. It's believing God when nothing else makes sense. Everybody believes God, and everybody believes God when everything's wonderful. I'm talking about counting all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So that you come out of this thing trained. You come out of this thing experienced. Ready for the next one. Then you come to the house of God. You, you spend time alone with God. You spend time with other believers. You find a life group. You join a first touch team. And before you know it, you're not just living for God. Now you're armed. And dare I say dangerous. You, 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 you put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand. Put on your belt. Put on your, your, your breastplate. Later it talks about, and I'm going to leave it off for the sake of time, but later it talks about the helmet of salvation. I love that because the only time you need a helmet is when you don't know you need a helmet. If you wear a hard hat at work and somebody told you, hey, if you go to work today, a telephone pole is going to fall on your head, you're not going to work. 
If you knew the telephone pole was going to fall on your head, you could move. You wear the helmet because you don't know what's going to happen. The helmet of salvation is designed to protect you when you don't know what's going to happen. In other words, the helmet of salvation is something God puts on you and it's not coming off. You wear your helmet when you don't know you need it. I used to have a dirt bike when I was growing up and I would ride that thing all over. We lived way out in the country and, and I had a helmet but I never wore it unless I was going to do something really dumb. And then I'd go put my helmet on. So I'm like, well, if I fall, I want my helmet. It's the same in, with the Lord. If you fall, the helmet of salvation is what protects you. When you fall, quit asking God if He left you and just do your best to get back up in the name of Jesus. Repent and move forward. It's a helmet of salvation. The sword of the Spirit. Which is the Word of God. You can't make up what it is yourself. Oh, the sword of the Spirit for me is just, you know, fasting. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Which means when you put that word in your mouth, it begins to swing and lacerate the plans and the works of the devil. He said, well, how do I do that? Let me, let me just give you one. I know God wants to bless me coming in, going out. Let's all say that together. I know God wants to bless me coming in and going out. One more time. I know God wants to bless me coming in and going out. That's the word of God. You're just putting it in the atmosphere. It's like you're fighting like a ninja. I know what you're thinking. Yes, I really am a ninja. How did y'all know? I got moves like Jagger. You know what I'm saying? Pray for your pastor. The sword of the Spirit. You may be able to stand. Before you know it, we're not just a church. We're a church that's born again. Trained, we're experienced. We count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations because we know it produces endurance. And then we're armed. I take the arming very seriously. You come to this house, we're going to teach you from the Word of God to the best of our ability. Let's all stand to our feet. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.